Hi, I'm Tyler, and I'm here with Milo, and we just got out of Solo, A Star Wars Story. He's seen it once before. This was my first viewing, and we're just going to talk about the film. Yes, yeah, so we're just going to go through our initial thoughts at the start. So okay. what, were your, what were your initial thoughts then, Tyler? What did you um, think of the movie after I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice, isolated bit of Star Wars sort of fun. It was very summer blockbuster blockbustery. And... Uh, yeah, it was weird because unlike other Star Wars films, it felt, you know, as I said, it's really isolated from everything else, but it still builds on the lore and explores and mentions and sort of aspects of the Star Wars universe that we've seen before. But unlike the other films, you know, sometimes it feels like it doesn't delve too deep into that, but it could also be said that in more recent films, they also don't, you know, in The Force Awakens, it doesn't, when it brings up, you know, references to the prequels, it won't go really deep into them. And I guess it's the same for this film. But there was something about this film where it felt like it was more just accepting stuff. It didn't do like a, when they mention something like Sabacc, the card game, it's not like, oh, wow, it's a big reveal that they're playing this card game. It's just sort of there. And I actually like that about this film. Yeah. Is it's like, it doesn't make a big deal out of everything. It's it's very good at calling back without being annoying. Like, you don't, Definitely. you don't, there's not bits where you're like, oh, God, they're, they're mentioning this again. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like there's a bit where Han's like, oh, you know me, I never like hearing the odds. You know, it's not, there are some moments where it's self-aware, but they do it very subtly so like the bit where he's like oh this made me laugh when i saw it this is what made me laugh the most was when they were like oh we're just a little freighter they'll never send tie fighters after us and obviously everybody watching knows <laughs> that that's all that ever happens with the millennium falcon so that was quite funny but you know they do it subtly it makes sense that that's something the character would say instead of something you know something that would take you out of the viewing experience and i and i and i liked it as well because it was like it could have been a solo movie by itself. You know, if you took the Star Wars logo off it and you just did a bit more exposition, yeah. like, you could have made it its own movie. And I like yeah. that. I didn't want another, like, Star Wars movie, really, with all the big shit that always goes on with it. Yeah, just the... And it, you know, because it doesn't mention the Force and it's, uh, you know, and it... it doesn't feel the need to connect itself too much with the other films. Really, it just focuses on making sure it's coherent with the original trilogy and a little bit of, you know, what happens around that. Is that it doesn't feel too forced, you know, a lot yeah. of it. I mean, there are there are moments in it where you're like, okay, clearly you've made the decision in terms of the plot so that it makes sense that it's something a younger Han or a younger Lando or younger Chewie would do. But, you know, for the most time, it it doesn't take you out of the viewing experience. So it's not like, I don't know, in in maybe in Phantom Menace or something, when they first bring back Obi-Wan, it feels for sort of a short time in the film before you get used to, you know, the new Obi-Wan actor and everything. It, uh, it, it feels a bit like it itself as a film is aware that it's a new actor, but it's got to keep it coherent for the character. But that's something those films overcome, whereas with this one, it sort of wasn't, it didn't have that awareness. I mean, maybe it did for a little bit, but it felt like more, it was just getting straight to the point. It but, wasn't. but do you think that could be 
you as a viewer doing that to the film rather than it could the film be. doing it to yeah well, because you is... obviously go into it knowing that it's not Harrison Ford yeah. playing that's the thing is Hunter. I always whenever I watch films like this I, I'm always interested in what would like the general viewer that's not really a big Star Wars fan think of it is you know maybe even someone that's only ever seen a couple of the Star Wars films is how would it affect them with something like the prequels because George Lucas, that was his plan from the start of creating Star Wars, he, you know, didn't feel the need to go, and this is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and you'll remember him from yeah. the original one. It's just, they're there, they're doing it, and even though, you know, it takes a while to get used to the actor, you know, it doesn't, and it is aware that it's sort of new actors and it's a prequel, It that can also, you know, as Milo said, it can be attributed to... Uh, the way the viewer reacts with it, whereas with this one, it doesn't have any of that. It's and, just and I think that um, the uh, the new actor I can't remember his name. Alden Ehrenreich. That's a really complicated name to remember. It's very. He good. did he did really well, I think. Yeah, like, no, he there was, was really good. He there, was a, there was a lot of reviews that were like, oh, he's not very yeah, good, but yeah. he's, he's just not going to be Harrison Ford. That's how you remember the character. And I I like this new take on Han Solo. That's was, the thing. Yeah. Is you know. I didn't mind from the moment he was cast because I, as someone who didn't grow up with the original trilogy, as much as I love the character of Han Solo and I think he's very enjoyable to watch, it's not like, oh, my entire life's ruined because it's a new actor and it's not Harrison Ford. And but yeah. then I can I know from the reactions of other people and you know everybody on the internet, they were that was gonna ruin their viewing experience for them because they were gonna be constantly aware that it's not Harrison Ford. And I guess that's the same with when I watched it was, oh, yeah, it's, you know, how is this going to lead into episode four, Han? But I I personally like seeing a new take on the character. Yeah. And you have to you have to kind of be realistic with these things like the studio is not going to be able to make a CGI um, Harrison yeah. Ford from what? Believable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just going to look bad. So you, you need to get a new actor. In, and I think yeah. giving someone else a shot was a. Was a good and we were saying year. just before we watched the film is people wanted to get um, an actor that looks just like Harrison Ford and can do a really yeah. good impression. But I think it's good that they didn't because because I think that it allows whoever's cast to bring their own to the role and their own sort of charisma. And I think that's what works with um, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. or, you know, Hayden Christensen as Anakin, even though people didn't really like him, is like they can bring their own charm to the role. And uh, and same with Donald Glover as Lando in this film is it's like his yeah his sort of is because when when Lando's first introduced in this film, uh his first line he sounds so much like Lando from Episode Five and Six, and he sounds so much like Billy D Williams that you're like oh wow he's done a really good job capturing this but actually when you're watching it you just you sort of forget that it's like oh this is you know. Uh, Donald Glover playing a character that was played by Billy D. Williams because he's not doing an impression. See, if if they had an actor who was there looking like like a lot like their original sort of cast, it would it would be really hard not to notice it during the film. People would expect people would expect him to be exactly exactly the because if suddenly, they look the same. Then suddenly, the moment like, they well, do anything slightly different it ruins the experience. Exactly. Whereas if you can have someone that isn't exactly the same, then... And I, I, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but I prefer Donald Glover playing Lando. I thought it was, I know I I mean, thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I'm a big Donald Glover fan, just yeah. in general anyway. 
Like yeah, I love, I, mean, I love loads of the things he does, and I think it was awesome that he was cast in a Star Wars movie. How I know, I know. And same with like Woody Harrison. It's yeah. It's just like even though you're yeah, totally good. aware watching it that it's Woody Harrison in a Star Wars film, mm-hmm. it was still just really fun. And and I and I it was good how he was playing a new character we yeah. hadn't seen before because that meant he could just be himself. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Yeah. Have you ever seen Now You See Me? Oh, I have. I love those movies so much. He's playing the same character. Exactly. Exactly I watched watched the first one probably about a month ago, and then I watched the second one for the first time like a week ago. And uh, and just just watching Harrison Ford, I'm not not Harrison Ford. Um, Woody Harrison. uh, Similar name. Yeah, Harrison. (laughs) Uh, You're just like, oh, it's Woody Harrison, but it's but it's still you know, he can still play a part and bring his own to the role. He's just Woody Harrison. And same with, like, Samuel L. Jackson. You know, when you're watching him as Mace Windu, you're like, oh, yeah, it's Mace Windu, but Mace Windu's also Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson And it doesn't Mace ruin Windu, right? Mace Windu. It does nothing to sort of affect that character because it builds that character as uh, Samuel L. Jackson. And I guess it's different when you're doing a prequel or, or like, a sequel and recasting a role because then... Because then there is that element of, you know, Han Solo is built on Harrison Ford, so someone's got to do, you know, someone sort of does have to follow on from that. But I think that's mainly the role of the writers instead of yeah. uh, the the people playing it. I think the writing was much better than yeah. than The Last Jedi in this one. I mean, it's it's written by Lawrence Kasdan, who's the guy who wrote the first one. It's, so he really gets hard. It's, it's, it's very good, because there's not really very many cringy one-liners really like... Like what what Rose was saying when she tackled Finn in the yeah. before he was gonna like sacrifice himself yeah like that was just that was just horrible hearing it was just oh, for God yeah sake. exactly and it felt like you know that that line in the Last Jedi is real like Disney interference there there wasn't much Disney interference in this one well really. this is interesting is I think that w- what was happening is they were trying to hide it up because you know that the original directors were kicked off the project yeah right? yeah so they you know having done the Jump Street films and um and the Lego movie got sort of did this film and everybody's like, Oh, that could be interesting even though nobody wanted yeah, to Yeah, because they're both film. really different films. They're exactly. they're more kind of comedic films, right? Exactly. And, and then just... they get kicked off, you know, yeah. probably like a third into filming. Third of the way into, you know, principal photography. And everybody's like, Oh my god, what are they gonna do? And then they get Ron Howard to do it, who's yeah. good friends with George Lucas and everything and really like Star Wars. And so um and so it was you know, it it's understandable that Disney doesn't want it to seem like they've done a lot of interference because then people are just going to be like, oh, well, that's because they changed directors and really changed the movie. Yeah. And I was watching the film and trying to think about which scenes were made by them that were kept in the film and yeah. which scenes weren't. And I feel like the shower scene where that he was, steps in the shower, yeah. I feel like that's so comedic that that has to be. Yeah. And I thought that was a great scene. I think I think we should... That leads us perfectly yeah. into going into just talking about the movie yeah. like chronologically. We go through from the very start of the movie when they're on um, Corellia to yeah. So that was sort of fun when it opens up and it and it was nice and unique the way it opened yeah. up with just the flashing image. Because when I when I watched it first time, it scared it scared the crap out of me because it the was just like image, yeah. the the loud noises and the flashing. I was like, oh my god, crazy. Yeah, it was good. and then, and I think. It's sort of fun when a Star Wars film to have sort of a unique opening. Yeah, because it didn't have the title crawl. With so a bit of like, and you know, use a bit of like new imagery 
and stuff instead of just being a shot of space and flying down. It was it was very different from because usually when you watch Star Wars movies and they're kind of interpreting like on Tatooine with um Luke, it was kind of kind of bleak, you know. Yeah. But the, this one, it was kind of there was but there was loads of people. Yeah. But it was more like slum like rather than just yeah. just desert. If you start, I mean, with something like Rogue One, is that starts when Jyn Erso is a little kid. Yeah. And it was all that family for probably like 10 minutes. That's the first 10 minutes of the film. Mm. And then it cuts to her older on a prison ship or prison prison planet, um, Imperial Prison, working at like a labour camp. And then it cuts to, um, can't remember his name now, um, whoever, whoever Diego Luna's character is in Rogue One. It's there. Captain, yeah, it's Captain, Captain Cassian Andor. Yeah. yeah, and he um and he's in like a slum planet yeah. with um uh Imperial ships overhead and everything. And it's a nice contrast. I think like, I think they do a good job with that. Yeah, because it's definitely taking stuff from the forty years of Star Wars lore and just because Corelli is mentioned, I think, in the original trilogy and then it's explored more in the novels, which uh most of them were made, you know, not canon after Disney got the right to Star Wars, but they've been written back into it some of these. And and it, it's basically a shithole, right? That's yeah. what that's what um um what's his name what Voss was saying, like I, yeah. I, I admire anyone who can climb their way out of the sewer. Yeah, exactly. Talking about Corellia. Like it, yeah, yeah, I know. And it and it's sort of funny because I think when Han mentions it in the original trilogy, if he does, it's probably mentioned with like a bit of distaste. I feel like it's yeah. probably something that, that must be commented on, like, it, oh, it's Corellia. It must be mentioned somewhere because it's very common. Yeah, because I'm pretty Surely. sure he go he says something like, oh, it's the Millennium Falcon's a Corellian freighter. And then they're like, oh, Corellia, or something like that. But that's like sort of the way it's been presented. And I like that little bit of backstory where he says, oh, my father built these. Yeah. I was like, that's I that really cool. later on. That's quite cool. Yeah, and I didn't notice that first year. I just didn't. Didn't hear it or I didn't. Because also, it. when people are like, if you're thinking about, do you know, did you know that in Revenge of the Sith, there's a little bit where uh, they're flying into, it's right at the beginning after the space thing yeah. uh, crashes on the Separatist ship crashes, and they're flying into the Senate building, and you can just see in the little corner is just little Millennium Falcon docking in, and uh, and so when this film came out and the Millennium Falcon looked really new. Everybody was in the promotional images. You know, everybody was like, well, why would it be there then, looking like it sort of does in the original ones? And it makes sense then, if his father was building them, if they'd already sort of been around before Lando got them, yeah. then that makes sense to why they'd be there. Because this does take place 10 years after Revenge of the Sith. So I think a good thing to, to start talking about as well is, so I was making notes on the second viewing, because mm-hmm. it was my second viewing, and just Tyler was just watching because it, it was his first time around. And I, the, one of the first things I wrote when I underlined this as well, to put more emphasis on it, um, is the reliance on fuel within the past couple movies in the Star Wars universe, which is a bit weird to me because it never really been a thing before. Like, they yeah. kind of mentioned it some places, maybe, but there's never been a big emphasis on it. And in The Last Jedi and in this movie, they mention it quite a lot. And I just think it's a bit interesting because it kind of makes it more grounded and less... Yeah, like you can go anywhere. You have there are limits. And it to feels like do. at this point it set up the Star Wars universe, so it only has to do it in like original in sort of their own contained film is set up what's going on there. But now they can start going a bit deeper into okay, this is how people live their lives. Yeah. See, that's something I really loved in Rogue One and in this one because the saga films are very much about the conflict going on, whether it's Jedi versus yeah. Sith, 
Separatists versus the Republic, Empire versus Rebellion, First Order versus Resistance, you know, it's all it's all within that. Whereas with, with these ones, it can be a bit more, you know, different. Yeah, and this one, this one is a lot more about individual people as well. Like, yeah. at the end, it does lead to stuff that will affect yeah. a load of lives and a load of planets and stuff. But it, but, it, but it's quite a lot just about Han wanting to save his girlfriend and yeah, go, go off somewhere, you know. And, yeah. and I also thought, you know, it's interesting when when the um, Imperial blockade arrives at, at yeah. Kessel... And it's not mentioned, but you, it's obviously that they don't want their hyperdrive fuel to, or w- whatever it is that powers the ship. Hyperfuel, hyper whatever it's called, yeah. Um, which is obviously <laughs> used to go into hyperspace. Yeah. Uh, is they don't want that getting into the other hand because they want it to be able to propel the Empire and probably has something to do with the Death Star. Yeah. So I think yeah. that, that was sort of interesting. With And that's definitely there at the beginning because he gets the... The little canister of it, and that's what's going to buy them off the planet. The fact that it's he can bribe yeah. someone in the Empire, which is so risky because of the existence of Darth Vader, it's like if someone's willing to take that, then that's obviously really valuable, and that sets up for later on in the film. And the, and the woman that he was bribing, bribing even said, "I could have you detained." For yeah, that. and that I could be killed or whatever. And and so the next thing I I've kind of written about as being something we should talk about is just Kira as a character. Yeah. And whether she is not needed, really, as a love interest to Han, really. Yeah, because when she's established in the film, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I know you didn't watch any trailers and stuff, but it's it was sort of established before the film came out that she'd be a love interest. And so then that's concerning in terms of, well, how's this going to progress to the point where it feels the same as it does in the original trilogy in terms of Han loving Leia? Because the whole point is that at the start of A New Hope, he's someone that doesn't trust anybody and only trusts sort of Chewie yeah. and isn't open to love or the Force or any of that, doesn't believe in Jedi, and he's really sceptical of everyone. And then so when he leaves towards the end of A New Hope, after he saved the princess just to get the money, you're sort of like, okay, so that's the character that Han is. And then he comes back at the end to save everyone, and that sort of plays into that's his arc. And then it's also because he sort of loves Leia a little bit. And so you don't want it to be that in this film, the same thing happens with Kiara because then, or Kira, because then there's no, um, it sort of makes his arc in the first film redundant, which is terrible because that's really the film that people love. So people will then not like this one. And so, um, so we were talking about after the film that, uh, that it's like, would it have been better for her just to be his friend, like a childhood friend? I, I think, I think it definitely would have been. Like, I know because it would have been obviously her and him, so people would have already presumed there was something going on there. But just the fact that it could have been at the start that yeah, they were in love, but as the years have gotten on, and as he wanted to go back and save her, she obviously got less and less interested in whatever happened to her with Crimson Dawn, which I was a bit annoyed we didn't get told about yeah. anything after that. That might be. Uh, I mean, it's hinted that film. is when he meets her again at sort of the bar party thing. Uh, she sort of hints, but then doesn't say it because she's interrupted, I think. And so it's probably something dark, like prostitution or slavery or whatever. And it's known that she's like a, a servant to um, uh, to Voss. So uh, that's sort of hinted at, but it still doesn't make sense then as to why she wouldn't wouldn't love him and then so when she leaves at the end it's 
that's meant to be played off as, oh, maybe she's not necessarily the, the villain, but she's not who we thought she was. But it doesn't really make sense because it doesn't make sense just why you would stop she, loving she, someone. She, she flip-flats a lot between what, yeah. what it feels like she wants. Definitely. At the start, she obviously wants to be with Han and then... Obviously, after all the stuff she's apparently done, it changes. But I don't. I didn't just. I didn't really understand the the bit at the end where she um like tackles tackled Han and stops him from killing Voss and then turns around and fights Voss herself. I think. See, what I got was that was meant to be she was pretending that he didn't like that that she didn't that she actually was going to be in allegiance with Voss and loyal to him and kill Han. So it was like a deception like because he sort of gives her this look like i see what you're doing because Voss obviously can't see her face and she doesn't look like she's going to kill him but it's still it doesn't make sense because because it's just it never sticks with one idea you know because all the other characters are telling him oh you shouldn't trust her but then he's like oh i should but then she's not at no point in the film is it like is it really hinting that she's not in love with them it just sort of hints that she's a bit confused see i i thought at the end it was really interesting just how i feel like disney wanted to have another um kylo ren snoke moment just where where the villain was like oh yes she's on my side or they're on my side and they'll never betray me and then they get betrayed yeah they really like that i don't know i don't know why they they like that so much but i didn't i really didn't enjoy that because it was very predictable and knew exactly what was going to happen i think it's like it's happened too much in star wars now yeah the good thing because it it happens when darth vader saves saves um luke and kills the emperor and that's obviously for people first seeing you know star wars back especially return of the jedi when it came out in 1984 i think uh that's a um you know that's a big shock yeah it's like oh darth vader is actually good and that's his redemption arc over the six films and then when it happens with kylo ren people can be like oh well it's just copying return of the jedi but it is sort of unexpected because that entire film was unexpected everybody thought it would be like a really strict continuation from force awakens yeah but then it does so much different the fact that not only does he become good but he kills snoke but then he kills snoke but then he's not even good he's still like sort of not bad but he isn't on he just side. he just didn't want power to be hold up held exactly. over him, really he just wanted to be the most powerful that he could mm. be and he knew he couldn't really do that when snoke's there so he and, he wanted to kill him and then so in that sense once it's once you've had two of those twists in star wars then it's a bit like okay what once they do it again it's so predictable at this point and and I think it was a shame because the other twists, I think, were actually quite surprising and, and a bit less predictable. Obviously, until like the, the coming seconds while they're being built up. Mm. Obviously, you're going to kind of know what's going what's going on. Yeah. Like the bit at the end where... um, um what, What's his name? Is it Enfield Smith? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when they get revealed to be um, not like marauders and they're yeah. actually trying to help the... Uh, the, the rebellion. Oh, that, that, rebellion. I thought that was really surprising. I didn't see that coming at all. I thought there was just going to be another fight and that. See, I think the thing with me is I was like, okay, at some point during this film, they're going to have to mention the rebellion. Like, at some point, yeah. they're going to have to tie yeah. it in a little bit. So, and then when it was sort of revealed that maybe, you know, 
maybe people aren't as good or have the same motivations and intentions that we think they do, which is just before that scene, uh, when Lando, or I guess when, when Lando flies off mm-hmm. and all of that, and uh, is you just get this sense that there is a divide in the group. And so then when it's the sort of revelation that they're not who they seem is like, maybe it's a bit expected. So I know you were saying you didn't expect it, but I think given that so even though it was quite a sort of simplistic scene, so much was going on in terms of you're trying to keep track of what's going on and uh, and which characters are thinking what and how is Lando going to come back and everything. That just like when a couple of seconds later when they take off the helmets, you're like, oh, well, okay, so they're actually the good ones. Well, I I wouldn't say I didn't expect it. Like, I knew that there was good, there would have to be a scene like that. I just didn't yeah. expect it there. Yeah. You know, I expected it more at the end. And and also the other plot twist I was going to talk about was couldn't remember his name, but Beckett's when he betrays oh, yeah. them at the end, I didn't really expect him yeah, to do that. Uh, no, but I, then I realized, but then I was thinking about it, and I was like, why would he leave without? Yeah. Doing See, that's the thing is, I was a bit left. when he leaves, I was a bit like, this is unexpected. But when he's like, I'm going to Tatooine, I was like, okay, so he'll be in the Obi Wan film. Yeah. You know, so he is that. Well, there'll him, be some obscure got, reference to him in. Exactly. In, in another film that yeah. we just haven't realised. And so, um, and so I was like, okay, so that makes sense. But then, but then, so when he came back, it was like, oh wow, they actually sort of dissuaded us. I mean, even though it's like, I should have known that he would come back. I think it was because I was a bit too much focused on what you let, you let Disney draw you one exactly. way. Exactly. I reckon most people, because at that point I was like, okay, I've got to let myself have a, you know, be surprised by some stuff. So I sort of stopped thinking too much about uh sort of the shocking stuff which made it more shocking if that makes any sense mm. uh so that then twist of him opening the elevator because i almost thought when when uh th- th- see this this would have been shocking when voss said oh yes but i had someone on the inside or whatever someone um mm-hmm. who told me i thought it would be really shocking if it was lando See, I thought for a second it was gonna be Lando. I was gonna be like, "Oh shit!" That that would have been that would have been maybe even maybe even better. But it wouldn't have really made sense in the later films because yeah, because Anna, Lando were friends. Because so. Lando didn't hear the plan. That's the thing is the only one that heard the plan was um yeah was um Beckett. But then but then um Han knew that Beckett would betray him, which yeah. was a bit weird as well. It was like because he obviously listened to the stuff Beckett had said, but then Beckett lied to him. So why did he still even listen to the stuff that he was saying. Do you know what I mean? It was a bit of a weird yeah, kind of... Yeah, it was a bit convoluted. Yeah. The entire... I think the entire film was a little bit convoluted, but it was really once they get to... um, uh, What's it called? The... Uh, um, uh, Sa- is it Savarine? Savarine. Savarine. Once they get to Savarine, that was like... Then it was like, okay, what is actually happening here? You yeah. know, how much of the film is left and... Uh, sort of, should I expect them to go somewhere else after this, or are they going to do yeah. a final confrontation? Here? I think so. It's a bit. I was saying that it's a bit anticlimactic once they get out of the once they finish with the Kessel Run, because it's like okay, well they've got to go now get this refined, but what else can sort of happen because they've done the big action set piece. Yeah, and that's where I think the film fell the most short was. The fact that there wasn't actually a big final confrontation at the end. And I mean, it doesn't have to be massive. It doesn't have to be a war or anything. But I just felt like there was an element of sort of real, like, impact and shock that was sort of gone. 
because it was more just conversations that the characters were having. But yeah. I, I, I did really enjoy the, the quadruple bluff that happened. I, that, I did that, think that, that was great. clever. That See, was that's really the thing good. is because throughout the film it plays up that he's smart, but then also there's moments where he's like he's a bit oblivious. He lets his arrogance get to him, which is sort of the same in um, a new hope. Which, which is which is Han but, Solo, right? It's... But but I did really like that. I was like ah. That's cool. That, but then the shock being that, so he predicts that, but he's still not. He still thinks it's about him. I think that was at the end when he finally confronts Beckett, um, just before she leaves in the ship. Is um, is is Woody Harrison's character Beckett says, uh, you still think this is about you, but it's not. Or whatever he says something like mm-hmm. that, which is funny because that that is what most plays into the first one. Is Han is so focused on himself and how he can survive and escape the Empire and all his debts and everything that it's like he does he even if he's aware as to what will get him out of things, he's not aware about anyone but, else. But but that also contradicts what um, Beckett was saying before. It was like you've got to look after yourself. Yeah. You've got to look only out for yourself. But then he says, it's not about you. But to Han, it should just be about him yeah. if he listens to what he's saying. So I'm saying it is a bit weird. His his character as well, just kind of with some of the things he said, just doesn't really make unless if, sense, Unless really. if Beckett was saying, you've got to look out for yourself. Unless if he was saying that to trick Han to be like... Maybe, yeah. But but that should have been played out more. That's the thing. Is I feel like they would, there are little hints that when you think about the film in hindsight after knowing yeah. all the twists... It's like, okay, that sort of makes sense that they were leading up to this. But it should have been, like, played out a little more. Like, not too much, but just, like, a bit where it was like, and, oh, wow. And, okay. we, and we were saying to each other that this film is too much up to interpretation. Yeah. You can definitely. you can interpret it so many different ways, and that might just not be a good thing. It just might show indecision. That's the thing, is it's so... In the writing and directing of it's the movie. It's because it... Because, especially for, like, the first sort of half of it, it's so isolated from the rest of Star Wars. Yeah. And it's just doing its own thing. It doesn't feel the need to, you know, it just feels the need to be original, uh, or to the best it can be, is then when it starts to be like, oh, how are we going to set up maybe a sequel to this film, or how it's going to link into stuff? Yeah. It becomes, I, I wouldn't say predictable, but a bit, more like less shocking. Yeah. Less, uh, a bit anticlimactic. All right. So right, should we get back to the chronological yes, bit? I was gonna say we were. We, we've really we were strayed for like ten minutes. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So, so they get they they escape. We thought the um what was her name? Was it um, Proxima? Proxima. Lady Proxima. Lady Proxima. Yeah. Whatever, was a little bit weird. She was. I mean, she was. Mm, I didn't really think she was very relevant. Yeah, and I know that people don't really like the big. Star Wars weird. Cri- I'm not sure whether she was practical or CGI. She might have been CGI for the most. Part. I think she was, practical but um, because I, she looked quite real. Yeah, this I thought she looked good. But I just don't know... think she was really that. Like she didn't. She wasn't really scary. Yeah. She can't go outside otherwise she's burned. I mean, it's weird so... because especially with like the lightings, like you know the guy with the, the lighting dog, was cool. The guy with the the weird like yeah. hound things. Uh, that guy I thought was CGI. When I first saw him, but then I was like, wait a minute, because Star Wars, especially since Force Awakens, has been so much about let's keep the practical effects side of it. I was like, maybe it is practical effects. And just under that lighting, he looks so real that you're like, how can it be practical? Because I know that in something like The Force Awakens, when they're on Jakku and they've got um, the big sort of turtle 
looking guy hobbling along with his package, yeah. which is played by Simon Pegg, which is cool. Is it was like um, it was like it was clear that it was practical, but that was a charm. It was like oh, it's bringing back that sort of nice and I from the original. I think it looks better when it's practical anyway. Yeah, but, I'm really oh, not a big fan of the CGI stuff that happens. Yeah, really and and I think. Movie. It was just with this one was it's like maybe it's gotten so good that you can't actually tell anymore when it's when they've used CGI. But anyway, so that first sort of bit leading up to their escape from uh, Lady Proxima, yes, uh, we thought was a little bit rushed because most films would spend time sort of setting up like this is the world they live and, in. And usually Star Wars doesn't really have to do that because they have the title crawl that happens. But in this yeah. movie, there wasn't one because it's, it's a spin-off, right? There was just a little bit of exposition. Uh, but what I thought, it was sort of weird because you're trying to really get into the swing of the film at the start. But because it's starting off with just like a... it, it Because it's not just starting off with an action sequence because some films can do that. They can... Like, if you take something like Baby Driver, Baby Driver sets up who the characters are in the first opening car chase, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't take the characters away from something. It doesn't really play into the plot. It's just that's something that happens that the characters always do. And so, um, whereas with this one, it's like the plot's already changing. But the thing is, it doesn't need it, it doesn't need to to tell you what character because you know who the character is. You yeah. know that it's about Han, so you know what Han. But I mean, Han more is in the relation of like. the creatures around them. Yeah, you know, you can't really tell who they're, who sort of they're being controlled by, and who they're associated with, and everything, until you meet Lady Proxima. I think it was a perfect opportunity to bring to bring someone up that everyone really knew in the Star Wars. Like instead of Lady Proxima, why not have Jabba the Hutt there or something? Yeah, like, I mean, I think Jabba the Hutt might have been a bit too much. Like, oh my god, it's yeah, Jabba but, the Hutt. Yeah, but it's then, like an is exa- yeah. as an example, like like it could have been. I can't think of anyone, but it could have been like just like a bounty hunter, like it. Boba you know, Fett. it would have been hilarious if it was Boba Fett, but I'd say they would do that. But it could have been like one of the ones that not everybody watching it will know about, but like a few of the hardcore fans will know about. Yeah. Or just like something like, like it would be hilarious if it was just another hut. It wasn't Jabba, but maybe it was like um. Flabber. Flabber. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so they they get through that, and I thought that entire scene was really sort of beautifully shot in the blue light and stuff. I think, it was I think so the bit unique through the thermal detonator. That was at the, at the, at we, the uh, we were saying window, that was, that really was so hard opening it up. It's like you get the charm and the uniqueness and everything new that's being yeah. brought to the role by Alden Ehrenreich, but it's still it's like oh that is classic. As soon as you see stuff. that, you're like this this guy's pretty good. Yeah, like, he knows what he's doing. And then so they get to, uh, uh, the whole car chase happens and it's really fun. And then you, you know the that he's got, over. you can see that he's got the dice on the windshield wipers. And you're like, oh, that's cool because it's the dice that he um, uh, has in the Millennium Falcon. And then uh, Leia gets after he dies from Luke and whatever. And, uh, and they disappear, and, and they? Last Jedi. Yeah, and oh, yeah, they do disappear because they are still on the Millennium Falcon. Anyway, so uh, so that's nice, and you're like, okay, so maybe it's from Kiara, and then so eventually they get to, uh, oh, I liked how it plays up. He tries to get through that gap, and can't do it. Doesn't work, but then it works later on, which is a nice thing that a lot of films do. Is that sort of this is a skill someone couldn't do at the beginning, and then masters at the end. Yeah. But it was also fun because that's been done a lot of times in Star Wars, when they were like, it, they do it almost every movie. They're, in, they're squeezing through a really tight gap. 
in Force Awakens, when they're going through the Star Destroyer on Jakku, yeah. Ray does that with the Millennium mm-hmm. Falcon. And so it's sort of fun because you're like, when he does it in the car, you're like, this is something Millennium Falcon could do. And also, so then when it gets set up for the Kessel Run at the end, you're like, aha. Also, I don't know about you, but I thought he was going to do it in the first bit as well. Yeah. I thought he was just going to go... But I liked how it was like he was going, and then at the very yeah. end, it just kind of slowed down, and he stopped. And, and so like, it wasn't like oh. a... It wasn't it wasn't immediately played off for a joke. It still sets up that it's like Han is a skilled pilot. And it's also not... It doesn't suddenly feel like, oh, just because Han made a stupid decision, they're suddenly... And I hope, like, they still managed to get to the, um, to the, like, space, space, space yeah, as, exactly, as, space as we call it, space yeah, the spaceport, <laughs> um, and then, so we thought the, um, uh, the bit where he's trying to get through the, um, border was really cool, the fact that, you know, someone who could be killed by Vader, or, you know, any of the Imperial sort of leaders, is so, you know, it, it sort of shows that thing that we've already known from Star Wars the Star Wars films and Star Wars lore, but that everybody's so desperate with money. It's such a horrible sort of universe to live in because of the control yeah. of the Empire. And it says, and it says that at the start as well, like the, it says in the opening sequence that like there's poverty or, yeah, exactly. or something as well. And then so they do the bribe and they get through and then they get separated and it's like, oh, well, I sort of saw that coming, but you know. And so she gets taken and then... I was he... happy though because they didn't want her to be in the whole movie. Exactly. She was, yeah. I just wanted some alone Like they have to Han, focus right? on Han, which they did do, which was good. But, and so but, then... Yeah, but through quite a lot of the movie, he is not just by himself. Yeah. Really. There's always another, yeah. another person I feel like him. that's something that changed with the change of director and the change of what Disney wanted to do with the film. Where they were like, we don't... Because I think they were worried about the fact that people wouldn't like him as Han Solo. They're like, let's focus a bit more. Throw, on the let's, let's throw some sidecaps in there just in case. Because I know some people were saying that what they should have done is made it into the Lando film and not the Han Solo film and just have Han be there. That would I, think... been, I, I wouldn't have been complained. Donald Glover did an amazing job. Yeah. I would not have complained. So I love when he sees the little doorway to the Empire and I love that. I love how it's like everybody can go off to their ships to get off the planet. And there was just like a little doorway, like there's a secret hidden room in like, um, you know those like um horror mazes in... Um, amusement park. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like that, where it's just like it looked so, so arcadey, like it's a secret room in an arcade. And it did it look played, like a game, didn't it? Yeah, I think it did have like flashing lights <laughs> yeah. in Empire, but it was great because the actual design of the door was just like something you'd see on a like a Star Destroyer or something. And and I like how it presented itself as the only option. Yeah. Like he couldn't get he couldn't get past all the stormtroopers there, so he had to go that way. And it was kind of ironic in a way because the only way to get past the stormtroopers was to train and become one himself yeah and then and then so and then so it plays the music the the vader theme like a little sort of retro-y jingly version of it which i thought was fun but we were saying after the film came out that i felt like that wasn't made clear enough like you can hear it but i felt like that was also meant to be a joke yeah and but then like see because i didn't pick up on it because i know you always pick up on this stuff because you're very good with music and stuff. Yeah, and I really kind of, like you kind of Yeah, you kind of noticed that stuff more. But I didn't really I didn't really pick up on it at, mm. at that as much really. And I do think it should have been kind of played. That's that the more. thing, is it should have been like because you can't hear it over sound effects and, and sort of background noise that is going on in that scene, and it should have been like he sees the door and then everything Dun. doesn't like you can still hear stuff in the background, but it would have been hilarious if then you it sort of pauses and you're like, he's contemplating because you're seeing it from his point of view, the door. Yeah. Sort of, almost like it's first person, but it's not. 
and then and then it plays the jingle. That would have been really funny. But then I love the moment that he goes in there and goes to sign up for the academy, and he gets the name Han Solo. I thought that was that was one really of my favorite parts of the whole movie because, because I was I was always interested as to why his name was like that. That's the thing is part of me when it for like a split second when it first happened, I was like, oh no, let's just. Let him be called Han Solo from like birth. Let that be his name. But then I was like, actually, that's sort of nice that Han Solo isn't even his real name. So when he meets, you know, the the trio in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. and he falls in love with Leia, and he has a kid, and he's known as the the war hero Han Solo, and the smuggler Han Solo, and everything, and he's like got legendary status by the sequel trilogy. Han, it's still alive. There's still elements of him that are kept secret, and I thought that was really interesting. And then, and that's sort of something I liked about this film is it doesn't actually go too far into his backstory himself. It's just his backstory in relation to yeah. And there are little the tit, tit bits about his backstory, yeah, like, like about his dad. dad and stuff, but it's not really extremely relevant to yeah. the actual plot. It's, it's not really relevant to the actual plot. And then, so it cuts to three years, three later. years later, which I thought <laughs> was brilliant. What planet is it? What's the planet it's called? called um, Minban, the planet Minban. And I loved how it wasn't, because obviously this is 10 years before A New Hope, and you can see in Rogue One, which takes place like a week before A New Hope, um, that it's not, uh, that, that it, that the rebellion's still really small, because that in Revenge of the Sith, it's sort of set up, and in a deleted scene from that film, you get a little bit where, um, where uh, Padme and some senators are talking about uh, maybe a rebellion against the Republic. And then, so that's, it's meant to be that the rebellion doesn't really happen for a while until around the time of this film. And that's Until what I, Han gives them the amount of exactly, rocket fuel that they exactly. have. Exactly. It's, it's quite funny that Han is the, always the one that is like, oh, don't, See, don't, don't, want, don't, don't want to fight, don't want to do all this. I really like uh, that. But he's the one that started all that. Is the fact that they don't, they didn't have, because that's the thing, so they didn't ruin circle. his arc from A New Hope. They didn't have to make him a hero in the rebellion from the start. But he still has this sort of effect on it. It's like, it's almost like his destiny is to become a good person. It's probably the Force. It's the Force's, um influencing you know everything that happens but anyway so he um i loved the way it cuts to uh uh well one i love the fact that he signs up for the imperial army because that's something from the start he was like i'm going to be the best pilot in the galaxy yeah and And they're like okay and i was really i was kind of disappointed in a way because i loved how it i loved the scene afterwards but i wanted there to be a scene in between where they're training him because he says at one point i was kicked out of the imperial academy how great would it have been to have a scene Showing him, like, rebelling against... Because that's what he does in the end, rebels against the, the Empire. Exactly. And even if he did, if we started doing it on a small scale, it would yeah. kind of come full circle. And I thought that would have been really cool. Yeah, because I really like the bit where he makes the joke about, like, well, we're the hostile ones here, and the Empire guy's just like, you what? <laughs> You're talking back to me? But anyway, so I thought... I really liked when the guy was like, okay, you can join the army. Good luck in being a pirate. Or in a, being a pilot, sorry. It's almost like... The, it does that thing of it's humanising the people in the Empire because it doesn't do that entirely in the other films. And and it's quite interesting as well because the guy he was talking to was really chill and not mean at all. Exactly. And you kind of think as the Empire as all of these people are horrible. Or, yeah, exactly. But it might just be desperate. It's just desperate people That's that, that need, need, need something to because do. Because in Star Wars lore, it's like... Uh, 
you know, in, in Star Wars Rebels TV show, the main character in that was a stormtrooper cadet. And same with Finn. Finn Finn was a stormtrooper and then what and then defected and stuff. And that that's sort of what I like is it's like the end and also the fact that in a new hope Luke wants to join the Imperial Academy. Because um what's his face? His friend, I can't remember his name now. Um it's not it's not Wedge Antilles, he's an ex wing fighter. I don't know, but Luke's Luke's friend goes off to join the Imperial Academy. Yeah. And Luke says to his parents, Can I do that as well? Because Luke really wants to. And Uncle Owen's like, No. And then so when you find him later, you find out that Luke's friend has also defected from the Empire and joined the rebellion. And I sort of like that. It sets up that thing as the Empire just is the norm. Even if you're seeing everything through the 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 good people's perspective, it's like the Empire is um is there. It's got a massive presence. It's normal life for everyone. Yeah. And so I thought the actual the sequence where they're um where they're fighting, where it's like a war film actually, was brilliantly done. And the fact that they're in trenches. It was like I was watching Saving Private Ryan instead oh. of Star Wars. It was and great. And the bit where it just it's like the camera's tracking Han and then just looks up, and just an ATST just, like, drops down, and the knees bend, and it's like it's just running into war, but it's a big machine. I thought that was brilliant. And, and I, li- then, I liked the bit where he was following his uh, officer yeah, or something, and then his and officer like, dies. It's yeah. just, like, gets blown up, and it's like, well, yeah. it was very gritty. I told you we should go the other way. It was way. very gritty, and, like, and like That's an human life. I love that realism in, in Star Wars. It's brilliant. And it was, it was one of the things that kind of grounded this movie really well. Actually, I really enjoyed yeah. that. And so then, and so then, what he goes off and he gets locked up in the room, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's gonna be the rancor from you." you thought, the I, 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 as soon as I went, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "It's gonna be, it's gonna be Chewie." See, that's the thing. There's it's no other, just, way, there's no other way. I, it must have been part of me just completely forgot that Chewie exists in this. <laughs> like, but it was so weird because I. Yeah. It's not like I was thinking, oh, who's that gonna be? I was just like, I bet you they're gonna do like a baby version of the Rancor. Maybe it's maybe it's because you're too, you know too much about the Star Wars universe. You have too many yeah, exactly. possibilities in your exactly. head. Exactly. And I'm just, I'm not as. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a. Um, informed about everything. A Wampa from the um, from Empire Strikes See, Back. See, I don't even know what that is. Planet. It's the big um, Yeti looking thing from Empire Strikes Back. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's called the Wampa. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm thinking. Called a Yeti. It's <laughs> so um so yeah and then it's Chewie and I thought that was brilliant the and fact I'm... that the fact that Chewie Chewie seems like a rabid animal and because he's been locked up he sort of is like a monster mm-hmm. but then um but then the moment Han talks a bit of it's called tree work I think mm-hmm. it's called is the language Chewie suddenly just becomes cuddly old Chewie I thought mm-hmm. that's absolutely brilliant and I love the fact that immediately they start working together it really shows that it's not just because Chewie wants to escape and he knows he can do that during, through Han it really does set up that there is just an immediate bond they but, are but also friends. also, it, it's quite good because it, at the, when they get out they both run separate ways Yeah, exactly. and then they both and then obviously They're Han gets dragged together. along and then Han's like this is not going to work we've got to work together yeah. And then that's what happens just for the rest of their lives. And it's like, imagine if they'd lost that and they had just run opposite directions. Yeah. Like, that would have been it. I love that. It's just a tiny little thing. And also, Han would have been put on the ship because one of the reasons that they went back down was because there's a Wookiee there. Because there was there. a Wookiee. Like, it's the Force, man. The Force puts together yeah, that exactly. chain. That's what I love about Souls. It, is they can have, like, coincidences or, like, 
bits like movie magic where to keep the plot sort of going forward. But it makes sense because it's the force. You can just blame on the force. Yeah. So then um, I, I love how the moment they get out of the cage, um, Han starts calling Chewie buddy. Like they're already... Yeah, I d- just and he doesn't friends. do that with anyone else. If you, exactly. If you, if you, if you um, watch the movie, he doesn't do that with And him. it really shows that part of Han is empathetic. Oh, yeah, of course. So anyway, so then... They go to Vandor now. Yeah, and um, I love the, the, the bit where he was there. like, so what's your name? And he was like, oh, wait, no, first of all, I love the shower bit. The shower bit was brilliant. And then, um, and then I love the bit where he was like, so what's your name? Chewbacca. That's a bit long. I'm never going to say that. Every time I talk about you, we're gonna to have to find a nickname. I thought that was great. And so then that's obviously Chewie. Yeah. And then so the train heist was really cool. And I thought we thought the monkey guy was really cool. Can't remember his name. I think Rio. It, yeah, was it something Rio. like Rio? I think it was Rio. Yeah. Uh, and then um, oh, I thought it was like, oh no, because didn't he? I thought he was saying three PO, but I was like, obviously not, because that's C three PO. So it must be Rio. I think it was Rio. Anyway, so so then he dies, and the train heist is really cool. And I, think I thought I thought that was one of the best action scenes in the whole movie. Yeah, and I I love the little um nod to the fact that when they get both get pulled into that sort of doorway to one of the characters, and then they get shot, and it's just like Return of the Jedi yeah, exactly. when they're hiding in the doorway and getting shot by the um that was good old stormtroopers, nice great aim as always, missing missing everyone. And so the train heist happens, and Sandy Newton's character can't remember her name, blows up the thing, and um and then I loved the bit where She's Woody Harrelson was like keep flying keep keep going and then han han backed out of it and then woody harrison was like you coward and when you first think about that scene you're like it's only because woody harrison's so upset after losing his um partner it, and then wife. you realize it's because he was going to die as well exactly and that you, links back to the whole thing think, where he's like think about yourself exactly because i think the fact with the fact that beckett was almost like you think, oh, he's so sad that he's lost his wife that he doesn't actually care if he dies doing it. Yeah. If they do hit the mountain. But then also when he does go, you coward, it sort of makes sense because Han is only thinking of himself surviving. He's not actually thinking about how his actions or what, not not really about how he's going to affect everyone else, but just about what everybody else wants in the situation. Also, also if you watch closely, I don't know if you notice this, but when he's like hang on to the to the cable, he doesn't. Chewbacca's yeah. the one that, that grabs yeah. onto him. So he was willing to just die for, for exactly. the court because he knew as soon as he went back and he wouldn't be able to bargain with yeah. him, he would die anyway. Yeah. And so um, then they fly off, and I thought it was cool. The explosion sound was um a bit reminiscent of you know when um, Jango Fett lets off those detonators yeah. in Attack of the Clones. That amazing sound effect. I thought. That and was I cool. love the visual effect of it expanding and then coming back in and then just blowing up the mountain that was really cool and so then and so then the um i think it was called the yacht that's what i saw on wikipedia was they called the ship the yacht yeah we could just call it the yacht the yacht so the yacht turns up and he and he meets what's her face um kira kira again yeah and uh and that's all nice and it's like it's i thought that was a bit lackluster yeah I, I mean, thought the problem is, is that I'd seen that in the trailers, yeah. so uh, the moment I recognised what setting they were yeah. in, I was like, okay, she's going to turn on. But, but it was just a bit weird, because you haven't seen this, you were in love with this person. Yeah, exactly. And then you haven't seen them after, what, three years? Like, I thought his reaction was cool, but she just wasn't surprised. She was like, oh my god, and then she just smiled at him, and mm. I was like, what are you doing? Hug him, really or weird. do something. 
Like, yeah. it was just a bit like, that's, that just doesn't really make sense. And then sense. I love the bit that Chewie sort of goes off and does his own thing. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Because Chewie's just so unaware. Mm-hmm. I, we, we both agreed that Paul Bettany was amazing. Paul Bettany, I think, I loved Donald Glover. Mm. But because I love Donald Glover, I think Paul Bettany had the best acting in this yeah. movie. He was I brilliant. I mean. He's brilliant. And I think um, his... Uh, it's weird because all I can hear is Vision's voice from the Avengers. <laughs> is I'm watching it and I'm like, you're just Vision. See, it's really I, weird. see, I couldn't. And that's why I think it was so good because he, yeah. he drew a line between those two characters. I don't know, that's just probably because we're obviously different people and we and then, so see it, it differently. It hints towards the fact that she's a slave. And here's one of my biggest problems. The thing on her wrist. Is it never shows that either Han's, Han's concerned about Voss uh, being touchy-feely with her, or that Han's, like, concerned about... Like, it shows that he recognises her mark. He recognises that, that something's up. But he's never, like... With everything that happens, he never goes, like, hey, don't touch her, or never even shows any element of, like, disgust. I think, or, I think that's because he or, knows um, that... Boss has so much more power over him. Yeah, but and I feel like I feel like that doesn't go in line with what Han's character was in the film, which is that he is unaware of. Or maybe the that, or maybe, or maybe that he realizes that it's been a long time and that things may have changed. Maybe. Wasn't there a line in the film where they were like, "You've got to realize the con- there will be consequences to your actions," and it's something that Han doesn't realize, and that's what gets people hurt, like L three dying and. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lando becoming angry with him and people betraying him and everything. So then they go up, they decide what to do. And I thought a lot of Han's exchanges in the film were really funny. There was a lot of really good humour among... I, 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 loved, I loved quite a big theme of the movie was just Han getting into a situation where he had to think of something to do. Yeah. And he just thought of it. on the spot, like, like with the unrefined... Um, co- oh, it's called Coaxium. Yeah. That's it, yeah, Coaxium. Um, that was really good. But also, I just loved how... Um, Voss was so nonchalant about killing them all. Yeah. He was just like, if you don't have a plan, well, and he just stood I'm up like ready to kill you. Like he knew that there were, that there would be like no resistance from any of them. Yeah. Because they can't. What can they do? They can't do anything. And then so they go off to see Lando, and we were saying that it was weird that it was all taking place on the same planet, or it's 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 never well, it's implied, impl- that, it's implied that it's the same yeah, planet. It's never, it's never told. It's never like hinted that it's somewhere else. Yeah. So I was sort of like because. Because I actually didn't realise for the first second that that was Voss's ship. When that flew in and then they went up to the bar place, I was like, wait, what? why is that on this planet? And then like a second later, I was like, oh, wait a minute, it's in the ship. It's yeah, in the yeah, same it's place. in the ship. Yeah. I just blanked a little bit. But it didn't make sense that Han was there. And then the fact that when they go to see the Millennium Falcon, it looks like a different place. But then when they fly away, it looks the same. Anyway, so they get in there and they're playing Sabacc, which is a nice reference because that's been mentioned a lot of times before in Star Wars. Yeah, and I thought the moment you hear the voice of one, one I thought visually the place was amazing, and all the characters in it felt very Star Wars, but also very different. It wasn't just another cantina; it looked really muddy. Do you know? Do you know what I thought of when I when I saw it first? The robots fighting. One of the first X Men movies where you yeah, see Wolverine. Yeah, Wolverine is like that. Yeah, and did you notice that the robot fighting was a gonk droid, the little stomp? Yeah, yeah. Because it's such a useless droid. Anyway, so then the mo- the first line that Donald Glover says, he sounds so much like Billy D. Williams. That if you just closed your eyes, it would have been Lando from the first one. I thought that was great. But then the good thing is he wasn't just impersonating. He also brought his charm to the role. Um, and so then, and that's sort of the talent you expect from Donald Glover. 
Oh yeah, always. And so then I thought the the game was great, and their interaction, you're like, oh, this is just perfect, seeing how it's setting up. Yeah. I had the same thought about Harm with Chewie and Harm with Lando. It was just perfect, all of those interactions. And so then they fly off, and I love the bit where Harm was like, Shh, no, when Lando was like, shush, the the pet, the adults are talking now. I thought that was great. And so then they go... Which is funny, because he looks much younger than Harm. Anyway. And so L3 is weird, because I... I Here's the thing, is if it was before sort of this age of a lot of, like, SJW, PC <laughs> culture, if it was before this, I would have been like, oh, that's really interesting. You're doing a droid that believes in droid rights. It's funny, but it's also, like, unique and, uh, you know, quite thematically. I think that was another adventure. kind of Disney thing. But, yeah, it was so obvious. But I also thought it was weird because it, was, it wasn't like it was agreeing with it. It was kind of making fun of the yeah, fact that she was really like weird. that. I was like, did they maybe see the criticisms of the fact that people call Ray and Mary Sue, you know, that Ray can do everything, mm-hmm. and that's pretty SJW, which I don't really mind, but a lot of people have take problems with it. Were they seeing that and were like, okay, let's make it a bit more sort of subtle in 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 this film, but then there's like, what's the point of doing it? So I thought it was fine and quite funny, and then I thought the bit where she had to use like a like a saw from the lower part of her body. To cut through the gate was hilarious, and the fact that everybody sort of turns away, but Lando's just watching it, like just like yeah, I'm proud. And he looked amazing. And and and, then, and, and there's some weird sexual tension between yeah. those two. And then and then at one point, um, Kira's like, "How does that work?" And, and the <laughs> robot's was like, brilliant. "It just does." And it's like, "Well, what the hell?" And then so they get to the Millennium Falcon, and the sort of rendition of the Star Wars theme then, but with like big choir, was amazing. And I was so happy at that bit. And I love the bit where they've got to take off the landing gear. Oh, I love it. And then, and, then, and then Woody Harrison's character was like, all right. You, I'll take off the Chewie, landing we're gear. Gonna, we're going to need uh, a bit of your, your Wookiee oomph. No, but that I like the bit great. where he's like, I'll take off the landing gear along with 5% of your share. I know, I was like, that was so good. That's such a Woody Harrison thing. Because it's so weird because it's like you expect Lando to be the one in charge in the situation. But suddenly they've just absolutely tricked him. That was like really good well, and then yeah because there's a contrast from the card scene because he obviously tricks um han into well he, he doesn't trick him because he knows what's going on yeah. but he tricks everyone else yeah and then so they get into the Millennium falcon and i love how clean it is in there it's like this is really spe- new right and it's such a special moment and then when he gets into the cockpit and you're just like i had the biggest grin on my face because i was just like it's star wars this is it like like the entire film before it you're like okay it's still star wars and it's still great and it's still you know but you have to remember that it's star wars but there's just like a bit where you're like oh my god it's star wars i was so i was for me that was for me that was when he signed up for the empire and i still thought visually it was so amazing seeing the contrast of the yellows of lando's jacket with like the greys and the blues and of the ship and the black of space the, the cockpit looked amazing like all the all the lights and stuff like, they was done brilliant. such a good job and did you know that when and i noticed it actually but i think this was probably only because i'd heard this before is the fact that in the cockpit they actually um made like a surrounding sort of painting image of stars in space oh really so when um so when lando is um when they first step into the cockpit and you can see all the stars, I noticed that it didn't look like what it usually does in the films, in the recent films where it looks um, it looks CG. I mean, it doesn't because it looks really realistic because it's really good, but also it's easy to do because it's space. It looked a bit more like it was a set, but I liked it though. 
it was like oh this is sort of unique it, and that, that really again that again realistic like, like the ground grounded bit of, of this Definitely, movie it's, very, yeah. it's it's way more relatable than other star wars movies yeah. which, which is maybe disney going okay this is we want this we want the people that like star wars to watch this but we also want people that maybe are not so familiar with star wars to watch this as well yeah it might it, it might actually be a good starting point if you've never watched a Star Wars movie before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It could it could be a good starting point. Yeah. And then and then so it was weird when um Enfy's Nest puts on the um tracker under the ship or it shows that they've got a tracker on the ship. Because then how just, did the, how did they do that? I was well, really I sort confused of didn't because mind. they obviously followed them through the little gap in the gate. Yeah, or they'd like been there before. But it was yeah, it was sort of weird. But then I didn't necessarily mind that. I just found the fact that it's never like, oh shoot, they've tracked us. Like that was never played was up. Ne- that was yeah, yeah, weird. they were just because they'd already no one found the tracker. And went, already, oh my god. Because because the bit where they when Woody Harrison says to um, Paul Bettany, where he's like, I thought you said you we were the only ones with this knowledge, and yeah. all, and he was like, hey, don't tell me what I got wrong, suggesting that. It's actually not that implausible that Enfy's Nest know where they're going as well. So I thought, what's the point of there being a tracker? Surely they can just like find the place anyway. But anyway, so um. But I thought they kind of needed that because otherwise you might people might have gone. How did they? How do they know they're going to be there at that exact yeah. time? And so for I them, think, I think they kind of needed. And that. then yeah, I mean it didn't take away from the story. I no, it could have been like. I think it could have. I bit. think it could have been done better. Yeah. And so then, when they get into hyperspace, now hyperspace has looked good since it was first created, but because in Force Awakens and they do the um, they really show you what it's like inside hyperspace on outside the ship, and same with Rogue One and Last Jedi and all of that. Last Jedi with the going through yeah, the and ship. it just looks amazing, the blue spiral. But in this one, just seeing the glow of the cockpit, the slightly yellow glow because they've got the lights on, mm-hmm. um, from the ship and the little lights on the ship. As it was flying through, looked so homely inside the ship. <laughs> it's so cozy. So then what? Then they go to um. They I love how when they usually when they hyperspace out, they hyperspace either into a fleet or they hyperspace to a planet or just space, and you can see stuff, whatever. Yeah. But I love how they go there, and then it's just cloudy because it's yeah clouds surrounding. You're like, wait, this is the wrong place, right? Exactly, yeah. And then you see there's this little opening there, the little tunnel. Yeah. Which, which I, I love that that it was all dotted by lights. That was so brilliant. <laughs> so then they go through, and they get to the planet, and it looks so cool. They get to Kessel. They land. It's great. And Han's like, I've got to. Find-. Oh yeah. And there's also the bit in the um, where he goes and finds her in the cape room. One, I thought the fact that he had so many capes, Lando, was hilarious. And one of the, the one that she puts on, I'm pretty sure, is the one that he wears in um, in Cloud City, or very much uh, like it in in the first one. See, I am. Um... I this was one of my least favorite parts of the movie. Yeah, the I didn't. In the, the bit in the closet. Yeah, because I was it was a bit like, what what? It's weird to work out what were they trying to focus on, you know? What was because it's hard to work out what their relationship really was. Yeah. Because the film didn't really give you much to go on. It was really like okay, so in one scene, they are really kind of distant, or at least Kira's more distant than Han. Yeah. And then in the next scene, Kira's as close to Han as Han is to her. Yeah. Like, in this scene, they were both kind of really close. And then Kira was like, I don't want to tell you what I've done because yeah. you wouldn't look at me the same. And I was just thinking, do you care, though? You're yeah. not acting like you cared about exactly. how we thought of you anyway. 
So I thought and that was then, a bit weird. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of well acted, but it was like, and it was like, oh, that's sweet. Yeah. The, it was just a bit like, yeah. The, the acting was good. Just the, the, it just didn't really make very much yeah. sense, really. And then, and then I loved the bit where Chewie's playing the game, the hologram. Yeah. And he's he like, to wipe it off. Tries and to smack it off. And he's like, it's a hologram. You can't do it. And that. then, so they get out of the ship after they land. And I love the fact that the, the helmet, that um, what his face has, um. Uh, Beckett has is the same one as Lando has from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Which means that it's Lando has this sort of disguise. It, <laughs> it's always implied in that. I'm pretty sure it showed up again in Last Jedi, but I'm not sure when. It did. But it's I implied. It. It's implied. Um. I recognised it anyway. It's implied in Return of the Jedi that it's something he finds to fit in at Jabba's palace. But the fact that he's had it this it's long. It's definitely from Jabba the Hutt because yeah. I remember it. His guards wear those. Yeah. The fact that he's had it this long is just hilarious. And so they get there, they do their little plan, and I thought the entire sequence in, like, there really isn't much to say apart from I really loved them saving Wookiees, and I and I thought the humour was great, and I loved sort of the change of atmosphere. Like, yeah. the control room was different from the tunnels. And then when he gets into the actual storage unit, it's suddenly all, like, shiny but dark and murky and, like, fluorescent, and that was really cool. I, I wrote down here um, that... For me, it was kind of hard to get past the fact that no one had... Because they said before they went there, there's no Empire jurisdiction there. Yeah. But surely if there's... What, what did Han say at the end of the film? How much they had? What, 60 million credits worth of yeah. of hyperfuel there? You just need to refine it. Couldn't the Empire just go there, take yeah. all their stuff, refine it there? Yeah, exactly. And just take it. I didn't really understand why they hadn't done that before. Mm-hmm. Is this... And it's obviously not, a, not like a secret place because... Um, um, Chewbacca thought of that. Yeah. Chewbacca thought of that place. Like, it's obviously not extremely secretive, and yeah, it was just a bit weird to me that no one else, there was no Empire, um, interactions there. But then the the Star Destroyer was going through the tunnel towards to go, towards to go the planet stop them, to stop which the. Is so weird. Which was weird because it was like they didn't know that that was a thing anyway. Well, I think they knew it was there because they were using it to get their hyperfuel. But it was like, why is but it there was ref- no empire presence there. It's like, why is it not refined on the planet? Yeah, it was a bit sort of weird. Anyway, so then um, I loved how the fact that the Wookiees, the moment that Han goes, I'm a friend of Chewbacca's, the Wookiees help him. And it's not back to um, to Revenge of the Sith when Yoda goes to visit the Wookiees going, I've yeah. made friends with the Wookiees. And he's helped by like the leader of the Wookiee. And then Chewbacca's just there. And Chewbacca just helps Yoda because the other one's helping him. It's this thing that Wookiees have where they all like help each other's allies. I thought that was quite nice. And it plays into the fact that also Chewbacca's helpful and it's very open to helping Han. And I like the bit where he's actually taking the fuel direct like from the Yeah. Actually putting the cancer and, and uh and um and it's really heavy. Beckett's like ele- only eleven more to go and he's, and he's like, got oh, eleven. And it kind of shows how much he needs Chewbacca yeah. there. I thought that was quite quite a good way of showing And that. then um and then it also plays into that thing of when they're in the cantina in the beginning of episode four and Obi-Wan comes up and goes, we need a flight off. Han just doesn't... Han, I think, walks away for a little bit because he doesn't want to listen to Obi-Wan. But Chewie's the one that stays there to listen because he wants to help them. It sort of plays into that, the fact that Wookiees want to help them. So then Lando comes out and starts shooting stuff up and he looks really cool and that's a great sequence. And, um, and then L3 dies 
Um, but I like the fact that she becomes part of the ship. Yeah, that was That good. was really sweet, the fact that she's now been there. And it makes that Millennium Falcon now unique because as the best navigational system exactly. in the galaxy. And that's why great. it's the fastest ever and all of that. Yeah. Is it's like, see, that was really clever, I think. And so then uh, I just loved the bit where he was like, we're just a small freighter. They'll never send TIE fighters out to get us. And then they do. And I thought visually that entire bit was stunning. And then I so love how I love how it's just big enough to fit through, yeah. and it's oh. like the lightning on the very tip is just attached to it, and, and it's just like this immovable object that you can't get past yeah. unless you go around it through the uh, what was it called? Uh, oh, I can't remember what it was called. The the, the mon, mon it's it begins with an M, right? Yeah, it, the, the mother thing. I don't know. They call it the mum, but I think that. No, but that was the big like black hole thing. Oh, so so onto that then because yeah, they so, have to go well, do that. Because they have off, to think, complete it in less than 20 yeah, parsecs, otherwise first it off, First off, I thought the um the music choice, the fact that first off they use like just the theme that plays when they fight TIE fighters in um, yeah. New Hope and Return of the Jedi and um, Last Jedi. But also they use the Asteroid Field theme from Empire Strikes Back, which I really liked. Because well, it, 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 it is... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was an Asteroid Field. And it's interesting because in the original version of Kessel Run, from the Star Wars Legend, it says that it's a series of black holes that you have to like get through, and the whole thing is Han use plays a risk and actually flies in closer to spring himself faster in less parsecs. So I actually feel like this was less less sort of badass than that, and like because that's what I thought he was going to do when he was like, I've got a plan. So he went close to the black hole. Mm. I didn't think that was good. I thought he was just going to ignore the giant creature that was behind them. See, and he was thing. just going to use the, the black hole to slingshot yeah. himself around and out. But he didn't do that. And I was like, well, that's just a bit weird. See, the thing is, is... I don't... I, this would change the entire film. But I sort of wish the Kessel Run was the last bit of the film. Because that's the I, iconic bit where everybody's like, what really is the Kessel Run in Han's law? But anyway, so... um. I love the bit where he drops the escape pod, and that's what make it look makes it look like the original is yeah. when they drop that middle bit, and uh, and so then they fly out, and he does the maneuver, and it's all really cool. And they fly away. The 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 bit I I think that was probably my favorite bit of the movie, mm-hmm. actually, just yeah. just that whole kind of sequence. And I uh, I liked when the black hole was sucking the uh, the creature in, that it t- ripped his skin off, yeah, and then it like pulled it in. That was Quite, it wasn't gory, but it was just quite cool to see like yeah. the skeleton of of everything. Yeah. I think that was pretty. So pretty then cool. they go off to what's it called again? Um, is it they go Sa- Savarine? Sa- Savarine. Oh yeah, they they just got, they've just gone off Castle and they go to Sa- Savarine. Wait, so Vandor? Vandor's the place where they get the um the snowy place. Kessel's obviously the mining one, and then yeah, so they go to Savarine. And then, so that yeah, so this is where I think it gets convoluted, as I said earlier, is it's like, you're trying to work out what's going on now, because it doesn't, because it still hasn't really properly established what, like, each character wants, because yeah. you don't know what Kiara wants, you don't really know I don't what, think you really ever get what, what she wants, Yeah. really. But I thought... It was still sort of nicely made, and it visually looked stunning. And I love the old people. I think there. visually it was, was, it was. It was. This entire film really visually good. is amazing. It was. It was very good. But but that's just Star Wars movies yeah. in general, though, isn't it? And so then that was filmed in Spain. And that bit. Was it? Because the, the the mountainous bit was filmed in Italy. Oh, that's cool. 
I think it was probably probably somewhere near the Alps. Yeah. So then um, Enfy's nest arrives, and I knew the moment they took their helmets off. When you see that one guy with the mouth breather and the big black eyes, as I recognised him from Rogue One, he's part of Saul Guerrero's group, and I was like, okay, they're the rebellion. Mm-hmm. And and then Warwick Davis is there, and that's really cool. That was that was that was quite cool. Yeah. And then what's so, up with um like dwarfs being in blockbuster? Because they always have to play like the small. Yeah. The small like, so, like um, um Kenny Baker who's passed away um shortly after oh no in like August of 2016 or something I don't know he died around then played R2 he was a guy in the original R2 body and then Warwick Davies has been in plenty of things but he was um he was an e- Ewok, Ewok as well wasn't and then he? you know yeah. he's been in Harry Potter also also no but also um uh, Infinity War oh yeah Peter Dinklage yeah just exactly they just like I love it I love it. Yeah, it's hilarious. I love it. It's great because it's it's like um, inclusion as well. It's brilliant. Mm. It's great. And so then the yacht turns up, and I think that entire sequence of Han's got a plan, and he thinks he's really good at it, and and I love how he hides it in the canisters, and all of that, and it's really well acted and everything, and it's nice and tense. And then the fact that Woody Harrison appears, which as we said earlier, I didn't find as shocking, but oh no, I did find it shocking, and so did you, but um. But then, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I sort of found it shocking, but it also, like, made a lot of sense, but, you know. And then, and and I just, again, the quadruple bluff thing that you were talking about is just, that was so hard. It was so, like, yeah, that was he really is good. actually, because, because it plays him off to be smart, but also really unaware. But then you just get that one final bit where it's, like, actually, he is just really smart, Han is. And he's not just an idiot guy looking out for money and stuff. And that's something that you see in all the later films. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, I was going to say in the later films, he's kind of maybe portrayed as a bit stupid sometimes. Yeah, apart from, you know, certain moments where he just has, like, a really intellectual idea. And I think that, and I think it kind of shows that in that film, not that he's stupid or that, but just that he's very arrogant. And at this point, he kind of proves why he's arrogant, because he can do stuff like that. Like, yeah, he, he can be that smart. Yeah, and so then... um. And then there's a whole standoff. Yes, and then there's a whole standoff. And then it's revealed that she's the bad one after they kill him. And we've already talked about that. Well, I don't don't think she's not bad, but she's the she's not entirely on his side. And that plays into Han's arc, I guess, in the movie and his character up until A New Hope, which is that he is unaware of the people. Doesn't trust anyone. really. Exactly. Yeah. And this is what, yeah, exactly what makes him doesn't tr- trust anyone. So then he leaves, and she shuts the door, and you're like, yeah, okay, she's like. Then she turns on the hologram, and it's Darth fucking Maul. It's so cool. <laughs> and it, and I, it makes I remember... a little Duel of Fates theme, because you know what? It turned it on, you see his face, he's got robot legs, he's sitting in like a throne, and you're just like, Darth fucking Maul. I, I, I knew that scene was coming, and I purposely looked at your reaction, because I knew that you'd have a massive reaction. Yeah. You looked at me and went, Darth fucking Maul. It's Darth Maul. I love Darth yeah, Maul, he's such cool. a cool character. Yeah. And so then, I loved how he's played by Ray Park, who originally played him in Phantom Menace, but he's voiced by Sam Witwer, who's voiced him in... um Animated stuff, right? All the animated stuff. And also, Sam Witwer, have you ever seen the Force Unleashed games? I have. Yeah. I love, so, I've you played know, those games, they're the, really I've good. I've played it once or twice. You know the main the main guy in that, I can't remember his name now. Star oh, it's Starkiller, Killer. yeah. So, he's actually, he's voiced by Sam Witwer. Oh, really? But also, he's, he's designed to look like Sam Witwer. So they oh, look like cool. exactly the same. So I thought that was really cool that they blended think, in. I still think that he needs to be canon and part of yeah. that. Be, just the way he holds his lightsaber oh. is so sick. <laughs> and so I, I really loved that, how they merge both of them. 
and I know because I did notice when I was watching, I was like, you sound, you don't sound like Ray Park, so maybe you're not even Ray Park yourself. But he was only sitting down. But then just in the credits when it said Darth Maul voice, Sam Witwer, Darth Maul, Ray Park, I loved it. You had a you had an orgasm over both I, of those. I, I fucking I, orgasm. <laughs> and so then um. And then, yeah, it was quite hectic in the cinema at that point. It was just mental. Anyway, so... What, with um, the six people that were... Yeah, with, like, the two in people. The cinema. And, like, nobody was making any noise apart from me going, Oh, my God, it's Darth Maul! <laughs> and so, um... Yeah. And so then she goes off, and then um, Han confronts Peckett, and that's when Peckett goes, You need to know it's not about you. And I thought that was a great bit. And then, so he kills him, and then he holds him as he's dying, and it's all nice. What, what do you... But, but I, I wrote, I wrote here that... I wrote Beckett's death was interesting, and I wrote his sentiment for Han got the better of him. Yeah, because it's like that scene in the cantina where he's like, "I shot first." Yeah, exactly. Because Han, oh my god, I didn't. Which was great. Which I didn't notice. uh, I thought that was that. I thought that was really cool. Because I saw yesterday, or maybe it was this morning. I saw on Twitter someone must have. I think someone asked someone who'd seen the film. Is this Han shot first, or Han gets shot at and then shoots. Which Han is it? And someone said, this film is Han shot first, and it is. It is. Han shot first. And I think that was great, because obviously that sets up the movie's Han shoot first, yeah. And, and it's also, but it also contradicts what Beckett was saying, because he obviously was going to do a whole monologue to Han yeah. about why, about and then Han's just like, no, I don't care. He just yeah. shoots him. Because obviously he's knows that he will get shot if he listens to yeah. And so then, um, and then so she flies off, and this is what I didn't like, is it feels like Han just doesn't have much of a reaction. Like, you see that he's a bit shocked by it. I don't, feel like, I don't feel like they show his reaction, though. They don't no, give they him a choice. Really they, didn't. They just show his face. They have, I mean, a, wide, they have a wide shot of, um, from her perspective, yeah. them, them well, flying away. Well, it cuts away. to him just for a little bit. But then she flies away, and then he just walks over to the other people, and it's sort of fine. So what, he gets the little bit from them, and they're like, Please, we need you as a leader. And he's like, no, which is great because that's so hard. I think I think by that point he's realised that that um, Kira won't come with him. Yeah. Because yeah. doesn't she doesn't she say um, smile? That's why I always yeah. thought of when I thought of being with you instead exactly. of like actually Co- going with him. But also when I was watching that, when I knew that she was gonna, the fact that she was letting him go in front of him, I knew that she was gonna leave. But the fact that like. It wasn't just to deceive him, like, smile, now I'm going to come after you afterwards. It was also, she wants her last memory of him yeah. to be a good one, to be what she always yeah. saw. It was and a then, nice touching and then, moment. And then I, because uh, on first viewing, I thought she said something like, I'm, I'm right behind you. But Yeah, she does. I does think. she? Yeah. Because I, I thought she didn't say something like that. But, but then that seems like she is kind of trying to deceive him. Or maybe she's just trying not to make him yeah. sad, maybe. She's, she's yeah. obviously still a sentiment for him. And so then... Then, um... So he goes off with Chewie, and they land on the jungle planet, and he wins it back, and he does the car trip, because he notices way earlier in the film that that's what Lando did. And he wins, and they fly off, and they do a little look, and he's got the dice on the windshield, just like the original. And they fly off, and they go off to Tat. They say... They say he was setting up a gang, and so you're not sure whether he is actually going to Tatooine or not. So it means that if they do do a sequel... He, no, he, he says he's going to Tatooine. Yeah. But because the thing is, is because this takes place, it means if they do a sequel, it means that he will have to be distracted from going to Tatooine and then spend 10 years not going to Tatooine and then finally go back, which won't really make sense, but it's because he has to end up 
on, uh, unless if he goes to Tatooine multiple times. Well, because it says um, someone's setting up a bounty, like a like a gangster squad. Yeah. Yeah, but is that ever mentioned? I I can't remember. No. Is that ever? It's, no, so it obviously never... there's some time between. Yeah. The only reason why, the only reason why Han, unless if the gangster squad is for Jabba. And that's why he that's becomes what, yeah. in debt. That yeah. might be the sequel. Because the only reason why he's on Tatooine in the first place is to try and get yeah. away from Jabba. Right I, I think I think some of the worst parts of this movie are where it feels like it's setting up for some, yeah. for another movie. Like the bit with Darth Maul is cool, but it just feels like a bit of setup. Like like obviously with with her calling him, it's just a bit like yeah. there was no need for that in the movie. Yeah. Really? Unless to set up another movie? And I would not complain if there was another movie with Darth Maul. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So then that's it. And they play the, you know, it closes out with its big, nice circular wipe and it's Star Wars and it's, it's, um, it's just fun. And that's it. And then it ends. And it's like, I didn't want the film to end. I was like, give me more because I'm actually getting really into it. I'm really enjoying watching Han and Lando and Chewie and it was so they got that's the thing is it's like a lot of the fun you can get out of a film is from character interaction and that's the most fun I got out of this one yeah it's like seeing those there's a lot of subtle lines that that, that they say to each other which is just is with especially Lando and Han because you obviously know them and Chewbacca from obviously other movies you've watched yeah you always go that's so exactly that's That's the thing that that was the best that's that's what they would say what put my fate the biggest smiles on my face was it's like oh my god it's Lando and Han you know yeah and it's amazing that it has that effect on me even though I didn't grow up with the original trilogy I grew up with the prequel trilogy which means that it's so impactful it shows how impactful those characters really are like the bit where where um, Lando was like um, I don't agree with it I don't like it blah 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 but I accept it that was so that was (laughs) a good impression you really do sound like Billy Dee Williams but um but yeah, no, that was, it's so Lando. So yeah, I mean, I think that's really my favourite part of the film, is visually, in its sort of, u- and its uniqueness and how it keeps to itself, and it's something sort of new, and it expands, but it doesn't do too much on the lore. But what we were saying after, and the character interaction, but what we were saying afterwards, oh, and the score, score was amazing. Score's, always, score's always good for a Star Wars film. Yeah. You, can, you can always rely on, on, on the score for But it's funny because bringing the, the hype. F- this, it wasn't John Williams did the theme for Han. That's what I noticed was that Han's theme was very John Williamsy. It actually sounds like Poe's one from um, the sequel trilogy, but um, but the rest was someone else doing it, and I think he did a really good job bringing his own to it. Anyway, so what we were saying was that it it felt a little bit like it could be the pilot to a TV show. Yeah. Or like it, you know, really a very high like, budget TV show. Yeah, like high budget Saturday <laughs> morning cartoon. No, it was really um. It was weird because it, it's there are other films that have come out recently that are a bit like that, but and this one felt a bit more cinematic, a bit more film like than they did, but it was still very much like I could see this being a TV show. But I th- I don't think it would have been realistic for it to be a TV show at all because of of the amount of production value that went into it and probably just because not as many people might watch it because it's a TV show. Yeah. You know I mean? It's much easier yeah. to go and see a movie than to keep up and with a TV show. And they are already making a Star Wars yeah, TV exactly. show. Yeah, exactly. So. Anyway, do you have so I thoughts? I was... I don't really have... I think we've... I've we've covered, covered a lot of, a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. this is an hour and almost a half long at yeah. this point. 
I reckon we should finish off with ranking. So I'm gonna rank my thought, my in my sort of style thing, and you're gonna give it a score. So of ten. Because I am not, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm just not a Star Wars nerd. Yeah. That's how. And I am a Star Wars. Nerd. So I, I'm still a little cloudy on all of the movies. I haven't like, I haven't rewatched them for a while. So um, I can't really give an accurate ranking of what I think. Yeah. Is is the best and what's the worst and in my opinion? Because you're a general audience member and I am a Star Wars fan, like a real Star Wars fan. You can give it a score much better than I can. So and I'm I, terrible yeah. at giving scores. So so, so I was gonna give it the the score out of ten, and I I might get some hate for yeah. for, for giving right. it a score. Give your score out of so 10. I'm gonna give it a six out of ten because there are some really great bits. Like the Kessel Run is amazing, but there are just some bits that drag it down. Like the hot, just everything to do with Kira is just annoying to me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's a solid movie. I think if you love Star Wars, you should go see it. If you don't love Star Wars, and you have some free time, it's a fun summer blockbuster. It, yeah, it's 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 not bad by any means. It's not as horrible as people are making out to be. Right. Yeah, so I will now rank the ten main Star Wars films. Now this is only my personal thoughts on it, and um, and I love all these films. You know, I find them all really enjoyable. And, uh, you know, keep in mind that I grew up with the prequel trilogy, so I do have a bit of bias yeah. in terms of liking those. But um, but this is completely my own opinion. And also my list fluctuates a lot. Like, you know, there'll be times where I'm... You always tell me when you well, change around stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And it's there'll be times where it's like I'll want to watch stuff at the bottom of my list more than at the top and everything. Yeah. So, so okay, so number 10 is The Last Jedi, which was actually higher up until um recently on my list because... uh. And I still really like it. I'm not one of those people that absolutely hates it. But it's, there's just something about it where I just prefer the other films. See, I to think. me, The Last Jedi has one of my favourite scenes in any Star Wars movie Oh, ever. it's got some amazing the, scenes. The, the, the scene on the Salt Planet, I think, might be my favourite in any Star Wars movie. Yeah. And it's I think, so beautiful. It's and amazing. The, I love My favourite bit in it is Luke's interaction with Leia when he walks in and they play their theme. Amazing. It's some really great moments. It's really... You can see the passion put into that film. Number nine is Attack of the Clones, which is the worst Star Wars film. I think objectively, definitely. It's horrible. But I just sort of love it because I remember watching it as a kid and just, you know, watching it. I don't care if it's poorly acted or it's really crazy. That's Mace Windu in it, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just sort of cool. It's Star Wars. It's got a massive arena fight, you know, it's. And it's got Count Dooku, and they're in like shadow with sparks and everything. It's just Does, really cool. I feel like that one has m- more lightsaber than most oh, of the yeah, other movies. Oh yeah, definitely. Which I think is what puts it higher up on yeah. some people's list. And also, it's like, it's just it's got all these cool new settings. It's got the clones, you know. It's got the rainy planet. It's got Jango Fett and Boba Fett and bounty hunters, and it's got the underworld of Coruscant. It's so cool. Number eight is Episode One. Literally, exact same thoughts for Attack of Clones. It's mainly just I loved it as a kid. I don't really care about Jar Jar. He's sort of charming, you know. It's Darth Maul like is fucking awesome. Seeing Obi Wan and meet Anakin and Qui Gon's amazing and the pod racing is so cool and all of it's really cool. Number seven is New Hope, which is just what is there to say about New Hope other than it's fucking Star Wars? You know? <laughs> That's the thing. Is is every everything good to be said about you New mean Hope? Star Wars. Said before. A new Force Awakens. Um, <laughs> Number six is Solo. Mm-hmm. I think it fits in here because I still really enjoy six it, but I'm going to have to watch it. <laughs> That's a fucking coincidence. Um, but and I'm going to have force. to see it again. It's the fucking force. I'm going to have to see it again before I make my final yeah. sort of... Well, it's never final, but my sort of 
real sort of thoughts about it, but I think it fits here. Uh, number five is Empire Strikes Back. Again, with A New Hope, what more does that have to be said? Number four is Force Awakens, which I don't care if it was sort of a copy of A New Hope. It was really fun, and it was the first old film I ever saw in cinemas. And it was just like, yeah, visually, it's amazing. It's so Star Wars, you know, everything. Rogue One is is number three. I love that film. The Vader sequence is amazing. The Death Star is amazing. I think Rogue One, visually, I think Rogue One actually might be the best visually. And the score's amazing. Characters I really like. I really like um, um, Cassian Andor and K2SO and Darth fucking Vader and everything. Who and doesn't love K2SO, though? So. Exactly. And the way it, like... Brilliant. The way it sort of... It, Solo does the same, but this one does it more. Is it shows There's, like, a flashback of Jin as a little kid on Coruscant. And it's, like, it just fits in so perfectly into Star Wars. And using, like, the old footage of the... um of the Red Squadron, and the fact that Red 5 dies, so that Luke can become Red 5, and it's just... And just seeing Vader <laughs> slice shit up. So it's like, oh, he's man. got the intimidation of original trilogy Vader, yeah. with the lightsaber and real sort of power of episode 3, Vader and Anakin. It's great. Number two is Return of the Jedi, because it finishes Vader's arc, his redemption arc. That's really where it's like, this is Star Wars, this is what links in the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, and it's so, it's such a nice conclusion. It's so satisfying to watch, I think, and it's still really fun. It doesn't feel like it's only there to conclude stuff. It's got its own charm and everything. And number one's Revenge of the Sith, because Revenge of the Sith is just amazing. I feel it's so powerful. The um, you know, just the the emotion you get from it. The last twenty minutes of that film, I like every time I watch it, I choke up it's so sad watching obi-wan have to slice anakin in half watch him burn and then just the parallels of the fact that when luke and leia are being born anakin's but vader's being born and it's just ah oh, it's shot so well it's scored so well it's acted amazingly i don't care what anyone says i think hayden christensen is anakin is iconic he's a big part of my childhood i really want him to return again in star wars at some point and i think ewan mcgregor as obi-wan's great palpatine's amazing Yoda versus Palpatine's amazing. They bring back Yoda. Yoda versus anyone in a lightsaber fight. Exactly. Amazing. I don't care if it looks weird that he's flipping about. It's Yoda with a lightsaber. It's so cool. And then the the Order 66 is amazingly made. The entire opening sequence is amazing. General Grievous is amazing. Cap Dooku is amazing. The lightsaber choreography is amazing. Episode 3 is perfect for me. And it's a staple of my childhood and also my thoughts on Star Wars. So that's it. That's my ranking of Star Wars. Do you think anything could beat episode three? Yeah, I think personally, well, the best Star Wars films, Empire Strikes Back. Like the best made one is always going to be Empire Strikes Back. I think because it's iconic. You know, it's um, it take it, it it's it's episode four. It's the original, but done better. It's yeah, but also doing its own thing. You know, it doesn't it doesn't just feel like episode four again. It's it's just amazing, but. Revenge of the Sith really is what is me. So here's the thing: is it stuff like when Rogue One came out? Rogue One actually became my number one for quite a oh, long really? time because of that Vader sequence and because of Jedha. That's what the desert planet's called. Um, when Jedha gets blown up uh, by the Death Star, it's just like it's just chills. It's so amazing, and all the references to you know the Obi Wan reference and the fact that um, Senator Bail Organa. Um, uh, Leia's adopted father, who's there in the prequels and everything is there. It's so amazing, you know? And it's like, 
it brings together the Star Wars that everybody loves and the Star Wars that I love, the prequels, and puts it all together. So that's why Rogue One almost beat Revenge of the Sith for me, but there's something about Revenge of the Sith that just like hits home. Fair enough. Right. I think we should end it there. It's been an hour and 31 minutes. Hell yeah. I'm a bit tired. That was that was very good. Cool. That's first podcast done. We're, um, we're definitely doing more of this. Des- yeah. We're definitely doing Hopefully more. with movies that, are, that I know a bit more about. Yeah. And not just Star Wars. It can be anything. Yes. All right. Well, we'll Thank sign you for off listening. There. Thanks for listening. Um, if this goes up on YouTube, which I'm pretty sure it will, put uh, your rankings of the Star Wars films in the comments and your thoughts on Solo. And um, yeah. All right. Bye. May the force be with you. <laughs>